tonight. How many of you came to go through the book of Revelation tonight? Amen? All right, why don't you stand up with me? We're going to just pray together. This is heavy stuff tonight. You know, we're down to the last five chapters. Can you believe that? We've been through the whole thing almost. We're down to the last five chapters. And tonight we're going to talk about Babylon. The reason they're called Babylon is because they were babbling, couldn't understand each other. But we're going to see that Babylon, the original Babylon, was the seat of evil. And it's going to be reborn. And it's being reborn right now. And the Word of God said it would. So we're going to look at that tonight. Babylon reborn. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for the Word of God. It is absolutely undeniable. Thank you, Lord, for the prophetic word that is a light that shines in a dark place. Lord, we ask you to speak to us tonight. Would you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, tonight I receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save my mind, my will, and my emotions, my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good tonight. Perk up and listen. Amen. But last time you and I were together, we saw that Antichrist is going, to, is going to rise. He's going to appear on the scene out of a revived Roman Empire. Now follow with me. Not the actual Roman Empire, but the characteristics of the Roman Empire. What were the characteristics? They were Antichrist. They were tyrannical. They were oppressive. They persecuted the truth. The Romans worshipped literally false gods. Many Christians were put to death because they refused to say that Caesar was God instead of Christ. And so they were put to death because there was Caesar worship and there was all kinds of idol worship. All the Romans did was they took the Greek gods, Greek mythological gods, and renamed them and adopted them. But that's, that's what they did. So they worshipped Zeus and all this other nonsense. And uh, so they had this uh, polytheism, which means many gods, not just one. And that's the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, oppressive, persecutorial, uh, very, very harsh. Uh, tyrannical. So there's going to be a revival of the Roman Empire, the characteristics of it. And we've shown that's going to be in Europe because that's where Rome was. Rome, the city of seven hills. And, and John mentions that in the Revelation. But it says, we looked last time, that Messiah, Jesus, will ultimately crush his kingdom at the close of the Great Tribulation. Great Tribulation is the seven-year time period where God pours out 21 ferocious, terrible judgments on a Christ-rejecting, blaspheming, idol-worshiping, sorcery-involved, witchcraft-involved world. It happens in a seven-year time period. And at the end of that seven-year time period, it will climax with the War of Armageddon happening in the Valley of Megiddo. I've stood there myself. I've looked at the Valley of Megiddo. It's this beautiful valley of lush uh, fruit trees and all kinds of foliage. It's gorgeous. But Napoleon stood at the Valley of Megiddo and prophesied, not knowing it was prophesying, 
and said the armies of the world could fight here. Napoleon said that. Well, guess what? They will. So it ends with that. And when that war is about to wipe out the entire human race, Jesus said, if those days were not shortened, no flesh would be saved. So right at the climax of that war, when it looks like mankind is going to be annihilated, we've got the weapons to do it today. It could happen today. Mankind has the weapons to take himself totally out. Christ will appear. In the second coming of Christ, in the clouds, and he will stop Antichrist and the war, cast him into the pit. What a great day that will be, along with the false prophet. And Jesus will then dispense with judgment. He described this judgment. He said, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. He calls the nations of the world before him. And he separates and distinguishes his from those that are not his. And he dispenses with judgment and rewards at the same time. Then he establishes the millennial kingdom of Christ. A thousand years of no devil, no sickness, no disease, lion laying down with the lamb, peace, peace, peace. Because Jesus, who will not be voted in, he will take over. There will be no election. God elected him. And he will rule the world with a rod of iron and a scepter of righteousness. Amen. Now, Daniel was told by an angel. He had a vision. And he said, as you watch, Daniel, this is Daniel chapter 2, 34. As you watched, a rock was cut out from a mountain but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The feet of iron and clay is the revived Roman Empire. If you've been here with us, you know that. Grab the, the uh, uh, go to the archives and get this message because I don't have time to go back into it. But the feet of iron and clay is the revived Roman Empire and he will smash it to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron Clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like shaft on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Well, the rock is the rock that does not roll. Amen? The rock is Jesus Christ, the rock of offense, the chief cornerstone. That's who that's talking about. The stone cut without hands out of the mountain is Jesus Christ the rock of ages, who will return to earth to destroy the one world revived Roman Gentile government headed by the Antichrist. He will. Now I know this sounds very dramatic and it almost sounds like something somebody would sit down and write. But remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is the, revolu- the revelation of Jesus Christ given to his servant John. The word is apocalypsis and what it means is Something that has always been hidden, but now it's revealed. We get to read something tonight, study something tonight, that for ages and ages was hidden to mankind, but now we, get, we are privy to it. Amen? So we ought to feel very, very blessed. Amen. So this time I want to explore if ancient Rome 
is already making a comeback. Is ancient Rome already making a comeback? Because the book of Revelation says it will be revived in its characteristics and in its location. So reading from John's Revelation in chapter 17, the revived Roman Empire is the eighth kingdom that we're about to read about. John speaks of in verse 11. Here's verse 11, Revelations chapter 17. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and he is going to his destruction. Now this eighth king who's over a kingdom will be the Antichrist and his kingdom during the tribulation. That's what he's talking about. He said it's going to consist of ten horns. What are the ten horns? He tells us. Ten nations. They will offer their allegiance to the Antichrist when he comes into the fullness of his power. Ten nations are going to say, we're with you. We witness to you. We like you. For whatever reason, political or financial or otherwise, they're going to join themselves in an unholy allegiance with the Antichrist. So it'll be the Antichrist, the eighth kingdom, and the eighth king, and he will rule that kingdom with the help of ten other nations, the ten crowns. John writes the words of the angel, what the angel said to him. Verse 12, chapter 17. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour, in other words, for a short time period, will receive authority as kings along with the beast. And look what he says. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. The beast is Antichrist. They will make war against who, everybody? So when you say, this man is called Antichrist, he's called Antichrist for a reason. Because he will be anti-Christ. Antichristos is the Greek phrase. And it means totally opposed to Christ and anything that has anything to do with Christ. Have you noticed? That's why John said many Antichrists have already gone out into the world. They're already there. And let me tell you something, folks. I'm beginning to realize as I talk to people who are not Christians um, and are definitely of other persuasions, and I do it regularly uh, when I talk to them, there isn't just a, you know, I'm just not interested in that. I appreciate it. But no, there is a hostility that didn't used to be there. Listen, I've been witnessing to people a long time, my whole life. But I've never felt what I'm feeling now. It is anger. It is hostility. It is vitriol. It is venom against anything that has to do with Christ. And since I'm a pastor, and I tell them I'm a pastor, oh, do they attack me? Oh, they attack me. Why? Because I'm friends with the one they hate. I belong to the one they hate. I preach the one they hate. So they hate me. Jesus said, If they hated me, talking about himself, they're going to hate you. Well, you know what? I've never experienced it like I am now. I'm okay. I'm a big boy. Listen, I can take it. It, I, I I don't lose one wink of sleep. Not one. But I'm telling you, the temperature out there is changing. And it's going to separate the men from the boys, the real from the fake, real quick. As time goes on. You're going to watch people say, you know, I don't know about this church stuff. Well, I know I've been going to church for quite a while, maybe my whole life, but 
I'm not so sure anymore because, wow, there is such a hostility against us now. They hated me, they'll hate you. Then Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, in America, we've been sheltered. We've been in a bubble. We've been protected because we were built on a Judeo-Christian ethic. You do know that. Don't allow the historical revisionists that are everywhere today to tell you otherwise. America was dedicated to God at its inception. All right? Uh, The Constitution is the Constitution that it is because the writers were influenced by the Judeo-Christian ethic and by the Bible. Um, America would not be, I'm convinced of it, if not for the Great Awakening that preceded it. When, when, when the early American colonies were baptized in revival through George Whitfield and John Wesley and Charles Wesley, and that, early, that, that early Great Awakening team of preachers, Jonathan Edwards and others that changed the Western world. Then came the founding of America. Great Awakening was in the early 1700s. We were founded in the late 1700s. And I guarantee you the, the influence of that Great Awakening and of the Bible is all over America. You can't get it out of America. That is, it's founding. You can't deny it. But things are changing now. No, no, you, you say anything, especially if you go into the moral arena and you say the Bible says this about that. Oh my, you better put on your armor. Because they're going to come at you for talking about what the Bible says about morals, homosexuality, lesbianism, fornication, trans whatever. Oh, they're going to come at you. This is free. This is not in my notes. I'm just talking out of my heart here. Because I know what I'm experiencing now. Every, every week. It's, it, it, every week I'm seeing this rising anger. So, it's, that's, so many antichrists have already gone out into the world. That opposition to Christ is already there. But there's going to be a main, singular, male antichrist who's finally going to come on the scene. They'll make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers, you and me. Amen. It seems very plausible that Antichrist is going to seize leadership of either the United Nations or the European Union. And 10 of its member nations are going to give their allegiance to him. Now I'm going to say that again. Now track with me because now we're seeing how how is he going to come on the scene? How is Rome going to be revived? How will this man seize power where he can wield power over the whole world? I'm going to suggest to you, it's only a suggestion. All we can do right now is make a really uh, uh, studied, intelligent guess at how it might happen. But I think this, this really holds some water, all right? He's either going to take control of the United Nations or the European Union. And 10 member nations of either one of those will go with him. So, question, has Rome returned? Let's look at it. The key point of chapter 17 in your book of Revelation is the reemergence of Rome. The scarlet beast is what it's called, and the great harlot. And the great harlot, you'll remember, 
is the apostate religious system that is carried by the beast and works with the beast to persecute and martyr the tribulation saints. So you're going to have the political side of things that Antichrist will carry. You're going to have a religious arm of his initial rule, a religious arm that is called the great harlot. And that religious arm is going to be an apostate church, a mixture of many different religions, all put into one like a religious stew. Christ won't be at the center of it. The Bible won't be at the center of it, but it will call itself church. I watched today. Boy, I hesitate to go here. But I saw a YouTube today. I just said, Lord Jesus, help us all. Because here was this beautiful church building. Fabulous church building. I'd give anything to have this building. Beautiful. Stained glass. I mean, this thing was worth millions and millions of dollars. And it was packed with people. And the so-called minister, he wasn't, but that's what he said he was, stood up and introduced the Queen of New York. And down the aisle comes a drag queen. And both sides of this huge congregation stood up and cheered. As he walked by, dressed in drag, and got up and spoke. Queen of New York. And I thought, last days, when right is called wrong, and wrong is called right, dark is called light, light is called dark, bad is called good, and good is called bad, woe unto those, Isaiah said, who do that. But I thought, there is the apostate church. There is the great harlot in the making. There. Right there. That kind of thing. That kind of thing. Where, where it's all just, can't we just love one another? Love is the key. So you do what you want, and I'll do what I want. And you believe what you want, and I'll believe what I want. But as long as we love one another and come together in unity, the unity of love, And that's how it's going to happen, folks. It's going to be an apostate system. That's the great harlot. That's the great harlot. And it's forming right now. It's forming. A a, a couple of thousand people cheering this in a church. It's very possible that the revival of the Roman Empire has in fact already begun in the form of the European Union. Now track with me. The European Union, do a little bit of history here. The European Union started in 1948 with Belgium, Holland, and Luxembourg. The European Union. From there it grew to, yes, ten nations. With the addition of Greece in 1981. But now there's 27 nations in it as of 2022. The rest uh, that are connected somehow are associate members or they have observer status. But the European Union now consists of 27 different nations. Now, these statistics that I'm sharing with you tonight 
may be completely dated in three months because everything is in a state of flux and change. But the prophecy of Daniel and the prophecy of John, the revelator, are going to hold true regardless, I guarantee you. European, the, the Rome is going to be resurrected and I believe it may very well come by way of the European Union. Let me just look at some uncanny characteristics of the European Union. First, the EU has as its symbol a woman riding atop a beast. The statue on the screen is located outside the EU office in Brussels right now. A woman riding a beast. Am I a conspiracy theorist, conspiracy nut? No. But isn't that interesting? It's just interesting. Everybody say to me, interesting. Because John said, I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, describing the revival of the Roman Empire. Now here's the EU, and that's their symbol. Not only that, I found a coin, an EU coin. Let's show that real quickly. What is it? A woman atop a beast. The symbol of the EU. Could that just be? Uh, can that just kind of be an uncanny coincidence? Or is there something to that? I don't know. I'm just showing you something that I find interesting. Are you there? Everybody say interesting. See, I, to me, to me, out of the million possible symbols for the EU they could have picked, I mean, anybody that deals with graphics and coming up with how are we going to depict what we stand for and all that, the fact that they've come up with that, and that's what John saw 20 centuries ago, interesting. The European Union is presently at the forefront of calling for Israel and the Palestinians to come to a peace table. And that's what Antichrist will do. Everybody follow me. Antichrist will broker a peace treaty between the Jews and the Arabs. And that's what will thrust him on to the world stage. He'll broker a peace treaty. he'll, he'll, He'll cause them to finally make a treaty to live in peace. Nobody's been able to do that. And many presidents have tried. It will be just such... Uh, the European Union is presently at the forefront of trying to make that happen. Okay? It will be that kind of peace negotiation. According to Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, that will spawn a seven-year peace treaty orchestrated by Antichrist. If you were to wake up in the morning and you were to see that some European political leader has brokered a peace treaty between the Jews and Arabs and they're really sitting down at the table to sign it, and they sign it, lift up your head. Because that is the start of the Great Tribulation. Amen? So I'm taking you where everything is headed according to the Word of God. Listen to what Isaiah calls this covenant He says, this will be a covenant Israel makes with hell. Isaiah 28, 15. You boast. We've entered a covenant. Isaiah says, but with death. With the realm of the dead, we've made an agreement. 
When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. The lie and the falsehood are the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist. I believe he's the great delusion Paul talks about in Thessalonians, where he says, because they didn't receive the love of the truth and the message of the truth, God will send them a strong delusion that they would believe not a lie, but he has the definite article in front of it, the lie, the one and only, the ultimate lie, the lie. Not any old lie, the lie. Well, what's the lie? It's the Antichrist. He'll be the lie. Paul says, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, all right, we got a peace treaty, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. The European Union's influence, that is, revive Rome, is currently growing at a phenomenal rate, and it's clearly a candidate, it's a candidate, I'm not saying for sure, but I'm saying to me, it's certainly a leading candidate uh, for this resurrection of the Roman Empire. No doubt about it. It may just be the scarlet beast with ten heads. European Union. You saw the picture. The European Parliament. Now let's talk about the Parliament. You got the Union, then you got the Parliament. The European Parliament is the parliamentary side of the European Union. And has been described as one of the most powerful legislatures in the world. Now watch this. The European Parliament has established a senior ranking, high representative, who has the power, one person, who has the power to call a council in the Union at any time and to execute emergency powers. I'm always wary when I hear that. Oh, we, we better execute, we better institute emergency powers. You know, everybody get that mask on. Everybody stay home. Everybody take that shot. Anytime the government tells me they're using emergency powers, I get immediately paranoid. <laughs> it's that old saying. The th- worst thing you can ever hear is, I'm the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> right? But, but watch this. This is right now in existence in the EU. They have established a senior ranking high representative who has the power to call a council at any time and to declare emergency powers over whatever. One actual document of the European Union is entitled Recommendation 666. I looked this up. It's as real as rain. I'm going to say that again because some of you went kaboom. Listen, one actual document they've produced is entitled Recommendation 666. In December of 1998, at their Vienna summit, the then head of the EU created the Office of High Representative for Common Foreign and Security Policy out of over 15 or 1,150 documents generated by that summit in 1998 The document that created the post of high representative was recommendation number 666. The move created what would amount to the most powerful position in the world. 
The power is essentially applicable in the event of a military emergency. Recommendation 666 gives one person special emergency powers and the authority to act on behalf of the EU. How are you doing that, calling an emergency session under Recommendation 666? Very interesting for any student of prophecy, you must admit. Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. I'm very level-headed. I check things. I study things. I look at my sources. I don't just get up and blab stuff that I saw on the Internet, even though most of the Internet is true, right? Come on, everybody. I, I dig. I don't just go looking for anything. So... Could Antichrist, I'm asking you, one day serve as that one person acting on behalf of the EU under Recommendation 666? Remember what John wrote. Let's look at it. He, Antichrist, required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. Let me posit something for you tonight. Listen carefully to me. Here's a question. Have you ever wondered how in the world is he going to get the whole world to to go along with all of that? To take this mark? Could it be it's a financial, worldwide financial emergency? And as the head of Recommendation 666, as the head, he declares emergency powers and says everybody needs to get this mark to get the finances straight? To turn this around? I'm just tossing it out. Verse 17, no one could buy or sell anything without that mark which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Now here's verse 18. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast. For it's the number of a man, his number is 666. Well, could recommendation 666, granting one man unequal power, be the Bible prophecy fulfillment? This is what I do know. Time will tell. Now, when you look at the EU's fairly new glass parliament building, it's like something out of the space age. It is a magnificent, incredible architectural structure. The seats of its massive semicircular design, they've been described as looking like Star Trek space machines. The seats. The tower building. Okay, of EU's parliament building. All right? The tower building houses the fifth parliament of Europe. And the legislative amphitheater has 679 seats, each assigned to a particular lawmaker. One of those seats is 666. Coincidence? I'm throwing it out. In 1999, a man named Javier Solana became the high representative for the European Union's foreign and security policy. And through recommendation number 666, he was given emergency powers over the military wing of the European Union in 2000. He has since been replaced, but the position is what is important. 
Will it one day be occupied by Antichrist? Maybe he'll sit in seat 666. And that will be the number associated with his name. If the European Union is the revival of the Roman Empire, and these things are not just coincidence, it could very well be. I mean, I'm throwing it out. I'm very hesitant to ever say, this is it. But I will tell you, it's interesting. Everybody say with me, this is interesting. Huh? Yeah. I do know this. The prediction of John's revelation are quite possibly being fulfilled in front of our very eyes right now. The Antichrist seat will soon be occupied. The world is primed for his full and final appearance. No doubt about it. Okay? The Bible says that ultimately the Lord will destroy him by the spirit of his mouth and by the brightness of his coming. The coming of the Lord is near. Can we say that together? The coming of the Lord is near. Can we say it again? The coming of the Lord is near. Yet John's not through. Let's go a little further tonight. I know I've given you a lot. I'm doing this in slow teaspoonfuls. I'm I'm going slow because this is a lot. But folks, I think prophecy is being fulfilled all around us. Let's do a quick quick review. Let me just, let's do a review to bring us up to speed. Follow with me. We've looked at John's prediction of ancient Rome being revived in the last days and that it would consist of a ten-nation confederacy or a beast with ten heads. Ten nations. We've seen this has already begun through the European Union of today, which began with the ten, ten full-member nations. This political entity may very well be with the Antichrist. It may very well be what he seizes and uses to gain power during the Great Tribulation. It would be perfect. It's in Europe. Uh, If you get into that position, you've got control over the world. It's perfect. And he will one day gain power during the Great Tribulation. We've also observed what John called the Great Harlot. The great harlot is an apostate religious system picture as a woman riding atop a beast that the EU has uh, adopted as its symbol. She will appear beautiful on the outside, impressive. This abomination that I saw today happening with that drag queen was in a beautiful, impressive building. John is so clear that the great harlot will be bedecked with gold and jewels and splendor and magnificent materialistic wealth. This building, this happened in today. You know, I didn't get to see the whole thing, but just looking at it, I'm going to say 100 million. So impressive. But... This harlot is drunk with the blood of God's saints and an abomination on the inside. That's what I saw today. This splendor, but an abomination on the inside. Maybe I ran across it so I could 
apply that to what we're reading tonight. Because I haven't seen anything like it. It just blew me away. Beautiful outside. Abominable inside. I'd rather have ugly outside, but beautiful in Christ on the inside. Amen? Yeah. That great harlot, that apostate religious system will be the vehicle used by the Antichrist, the beast, to persecute and kill true believers in the Great Tribulation. Amazingly, it's a woman riding atop a beast that the EU, I've already mentioned it, has selected as their symbol. John's description of the harlot carried on the back of the beast suggests a dynamic, demonic duo. One political, the other religious. And they will come on the world scene during the Great Tribulation. Antichrist, the political ruler, will be charismatic, mesmerizing, charming, captivating. The false prophet... The religious leader, who I think could very well be, I don't want to offend anybody, a pope. Because what other religious leader in the world has the ear of the world like the pope? That's conjecture as well. Could be. But together, they will bring the earth under their spell. And that's what you've got here. That's what you've got going on. Their demonic union won't last. We're coming to the close tonight. But I want to read this closes chapter 17 describing the fate of the harlot he says in verse 15 then the angel said to me the waters you saw where the prostitute that is the great harlot sits that means on the waters of the whole world are peoples multitudes nations and languages her influence touches the whole world verse 16 the beast the antichrist and the ten horns the ten nations in league with antichrist you saw Listen, folks, we'll one day hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. In other words, they will destroy her. Verse 17. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. Verse 18, the woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Now, here's what he's saying. Antichrist, if there was ever a megalomaniac, if there was ever somebody that wakes up in the morning and looks in the mirror and, says, and sings, there is none like you, it's Antichrist. The ultimate narcissist, the ultimate megalomaniac, the ultimate self-worshipper, He's going to let this apostate religious system exist three and a half years into the tribulation. But when he decides, I'm going to walk into the temple, and I'm going to declare myself God, and I'm going to commit the abomination that makes desolate, he turns on this religious system and stomps it and destroys it. Why? Because there ain't nobody going to be worshipped but me. So he destroys it halfway in. So that false religious system is going to come to a terrible end at the hands of the Antichrist. Now, just when the world is resting in a false security, Antichrist is going to break his covenant. As I just said, he's going to walk into that temple, declare himself to be God, and commit the abomination of desolation. And that abomination of desolation, folks, is the trigger point for the final three and a half years of the Great Tribulation 
which by far are the worst of the seven years. The artificial security the world has been under is going to be shattered. Now, whereas chapter 17, we're we're closing now, but let me just say this to set up next week. Whereas chapter 17 reveals the appearance of the great harlot, which is an apostate religious system, a religious, as, as we might say, a religious Babylon, a religious confusion. Chapter 18 depicts the destruction of a literal Babylon. So chapter 17, you've got the religious Babylon destroyed. Chapter 18, you've got a literal geographical city called Babylon. And here is where we're going to see the Antichrist world system collapsing in chapter 18. And that's next week. All right? So let's stand together, can we? You think there's been a whole lot of shaking going on now? Oh, let me tell you. There's a lot coming to this old world, folks. And uh, as, I, as I watch these things happening around me, this, again, I hate to keep referring to it, this spectacle I saw today, and I, and I hear what people are saying against the church, against the real thing, against Christ, against the Bible. I see this apostate system beginning to form and take shape. I really do. We're seeing leaders, songwriters, book writers, worship leaders, notable names that used to name the name of Christ saying, I don't believe anymore. But didn't the Bible tell us that would come? In the last days, perilous times will come. For some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines taught by devils. That's apostasy. And we're watching it right now. I saw that whole church of a couple of thousand people hooraying this, and I thought, apostasy. So what do we do? I'll tell you what we do. We launch forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ like we never have before. And we get on the offense. Amen. This is not a time to hunker in your bunker. No, it's not. Hey, listen, can I say it? Everything else is coming out of the closet. We might as well too. Right? Come on, everybody. Seriously. Because they literally are. So how many of you are ready to come out? Amen? I'm ready. <laughs> I got a confession to you. I'm coming out tonight. All right? And our church is going to come out like never before. Because this world is dark and getting darker. And they need to hear the gospel. So how many of you are ready to take some heat for it? Say, that's all right. I'll take some heat for it. Amen. Come on, everybody. I'll take some heat for it. Amen. All right, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible word, your prophecy. And Lord, we thank you for this book, the Bible, 
that is such a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Thank you, Lord, that you gave us the the revelation so we would be warned of what was coming and be able to face it in the strength of God. We thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name.